Hello, and welcome to Tuesday Thanks, presented by Leeds Hospitality Group. I'm your host, Brian Proctor. Join me as we sit down to chat with yet another industry leader. Our guests come from a wide range of professions across the globe. We'll take the time to learn about their journey, where it started, and where they are today. We use this opportunity to allow the guests to thank an individual or individuals that played a key role in their career understand what they learned from the experience and how they have incorporated it into their own development and growth. Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Not only can it help your mental well-being, it can also improve your physical health. So join us as we share some great stories, thank a lot of wonderful people, and of course, share some laughs. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tuesday's Thanks. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Carla Murray, President, U.S. Western Region for Full Service Hotels at Marriott International. Carla, I know how busy you must be, so thank you very much for joining me today. I truly appreciate it. Hey, Brian, I was honored to be asked. It's always good to stop and say thank you. Oh, that's good. That's my belief. And I thank you for for taking the time. So let's get right into this, because if we go back in time, right, a young lady, Stevens College, which I believe is in Missouri. Yes. And is still one of the only all women universities. Yes. 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 uh, Graduated with BA in broadcast journalism. So I would assume that hospitality wasn't first on your mind. How did you get the hospitality bug? It was totally by mistake, I have to say. And I found myself after college working for a congressman in Washington, D.C. I wanted to be a political reporter and my life took a detour and took me out of Washington, D.C. And I was introduced to the hotel business and I thought, well, this sounds like an interesting business. Maybe I'll try this for a while in, of all places, Casper, Wyoming. When I say detour, it was a sharp detour across the country. And I had an opportunity with a local CBS affiliate there to go into the journalism profession and then wound up taking an opportunity in the hospitality in sales and marketing, which is where I started. Really? How long were you in D.C.? I was there for as an intern first and then as a paid legislative aide for about two years. Oh, were you working for a senator or Congress? I was working for a congressman. And this is a, a, you know, a sidebar story of what he was the only representative from the state of Arkansas, which is where I'm from, who had actually beaten Bill Clinton when Bill Clinton first ran for the third district of Arkansas. This gentleman, his name was John Paul Hammerschmidt. He was one of the first defeats for Bill Clinton. That doesn't relay, that doesn't have anything to do with my politics other than he was the only guy who would give me a job. (laughs) Well, that works. I did not know you were from Arkansas. I always assumed, silly me, that you were from the West Coast. Just, I don't know why, but I always did. No, I grew up on a cattle ranch in the Ozark Mountains of Arkansas. Oh, wow. Look at that. That's amazing. So... Now you leave D.C., you go to Casper. What's the first job that you got in the hotel business then? I was a salesperson. And a year later, the competitor across the street, which was a Hilton at the time, 
you know, they, they it's not like the talent pool was extremely deep in Casper, mm -hmm. Wyoming. And they approached me to be their sales and marketing leader. I was 24, something like that. And I thought this is an opportunity to better my salary, certainly, as well as to, to have a broader scope. And that's sort of really how I started. Wow. It must have been hard to keep secret interviewing in a small town like that for a property across the street. No, I do remember, though, that my boss at the time, when she heard that I was potentially going to go work for the competitor, she came to my house and demanded that I give her my Rolodex. And remember no what a Rolodex is like. <laughs> yeah. For, for the listener in Topeka, Kansas, who's only 26, a Rolodex is kind of like your iPhone with paper. <laughs> paper. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Yeah, I hadn't heard the term Rolodex for a while. Uh, well, that's what, what it was like back then. And she wanted all of my contacts. And of course, I willingly turned them over and had to start all over at my new job. Wow. So you said 24, you're already a, a director of sales and marketing. Yes, but it was a, a small Hilton franchise. So okay. hey, tit <laughs> the title is everything, right? Somebody once told me, I think it was, I think it was Bob Graney, who was an old interstate guy. I worked for. He said, "Once you get the title of GM, you can never go back. You're always, no matter what happens, you're always a general manager. So yeah. once it's, you get the title, yeah, the title gives you a lot of credibility, whether you deserve it or not. Hey, exactly. So, so where do you go from Casper, Wyoming? I mean, how long uh, were you there as the director? I was there probably, let's say, three years, and then I had an opportunity to." joined ITT Sheraton, working for a, a former leader that I'd worked for in this small management company. And he said, there's an opportunity in sales in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the Sheraton Kensington, which I moved across country and wound up living in Tulsa for about three years. And one year into it, I became the sales and marketing director for that hotel. Wow. So all big mega cities. Casper, oh, big mega. You know, you got to start somewhere, Brian. You know, exactly. And, uh, and Tulsa hey. was one of those magical places where I wound up making friends of a lifetime, friends that I still have today. It was a very special place. Yeah. Some cities just, you know, they, they, while the general public may not think too much of them, I always look back fondly on Halifax, Nova Scotia. And we opened up the Sheraton there. And Hugh Harper, Old ITT Sheraton I remember. Right. was the GM and he was a young buck and it was a bunch of ITT Sheraton guys up from Boston, Ray Hammer, Randy Savage, Rick Kaminskis <laughs> and Hugh. And, you know, they welcomed me into that hotel. I was the brash little guy from Montreal and the only non-American in the management team almost. And you just think back to those cities and I just loved that city. I was only there two years but right. love the time. And I think it all had to do with the people. But Tulsa was all about the people and their, you know, their commitment to the hotel and commitment to their community. And it just turned out to me, many of the individuals I worked with have all moved to other places, some living on the West Coast. In fact, I talked to one gentleman this weekend who called to wish me happy birthday. And oh, well, believe it. He, he loves to remind me that I took him uh, out of room service into sales and he's now had a very successful career. Yeah. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah, it's key to keep those connections. I mean, Ray and I still talk to this day and that's, you know, that was yeah. from 1985, I think. So that goes back a long way. So as a fellow Taurus, happy belated birthday. Thank you very much. Yeah. So Tulsa, you're there a couple of three years and then we're off to... 
I moved to Monterey, California, oh. uh, to what at the time was the Sheraton, which is now a Marriott Monterey. And it was, it was quite funny as things circle back in your life that I went there as the sales and marketing leader in 1988. And I worked with a group of owners at that hotel who ultimately I wound up moving to Seattle, to the Sheridan Seattle for a portion to work for that same group of owners in Seattle. But then as I became a regional leader, when I, you know, after the Starwood merger into Marriott, I wind up as the regional leader going back to that same hotel where I was the sales and marketing leader and the owners were the same, but they were just about 30 years older. Wow. Well, it's a good thing you didn't age, just them. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, never, never. <laughs> okay. So that's how you got to the West Coast then from Tulsa I, I to did. Monterey. Yes. So. And then was it from Monterey directly up into Seattle, Seattle. from there? Mm -hmm. And that's where the urban legend of Carla Murray, there must be a street name for you in Seattle, I'm convinced. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> not at all. But I have moved to Seattle in 1990 and wound up at that time having a very wonderful opportunity posed to me by my boss at the time who said, you really don't need to be in sales and marketing. You should move over into operations. And, and he would be one of my first thanks, which was Joe Terzi. Uh, as my general manager, who really kind of pushed me a direction that was not necessarily comfortable, but I wound up being both, I was the sales and marketing leader first, and then I became the manager there in Seattle for kind of that first five years, and then left for a couple of years, but then returned to my beloved Seattle. So before you moved out to Aspen, the how did that transition work for you? Because you were a lifelong, not that you, not, you were still very young, but lifelong sales leader, and then moving into the operational field. How did that transition go going into that? Because I know as an operations guy, sometimes we've looked at salespeople as, you know, they just promised the world and we've got to do whatever they've got <laughs> what to do. What did they know? <laughs> yeah, what did they know about running a hotel? But so now you, you're transitioning into that. How was that for you? Now under Joe Terzi, I got to believe that made it a lot easier. The guy's a legend. But how did that go for you? I, I think it was it was a three-year period of a great deal of learning of things you just had no idea, nor had you had necessarily the interest in. I had never contemplated being a general manager, but Joe put the challenge in front of me. And he also gave me a lot of room to make mistakes and to, to learn on my own. There was a finance leader. His name is Peter Lafamina, and he sat with me for much of the time after work to help me learn the hotel P&L. And so there were some really special people that took me under their wing and they were willing to teach me the things that I didn't know. So that when I left Seattle and I went to the Sheridan Boston, which was the world headquarters for yep. ITT Sheraton at the time. And I remember my boss at the time, which was not Joe, but the next general manager who said, Murray, Every person that goes to take that number two job at the Sheridan Boston gets fired. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. I thought he was going to, I thought you were going to say he gets, you know, promoted into a great no, job. No. He told me they all get fired. And we laugh about that to this day. But it, it, the Sheridan Seattle experience with all of the tutors I had there really set me up for great success to move into Boston, which 
happens to be a very, you work for ITT Sheraton, you know the reputation of the hotel, and it, it was always a test. Now, back then, to become a GM with ITT Sheraton, I believe we had to do that full day assessment, psychological assessment in Boston. Did you go through that? I did. Oh my God. It was so nerve wracking. I went through it and I I was exhausted by the end of the day. I couldn't believe it. Well, you took the test. If you recall, you were being compared also against the scientists that invented the night vision looking glass. And I always wanted to ask the psychologist who gave you the test, well, how do hotel people compare to all those scientists? Yeah. Can you, can I won't you tell you what the answer was. No. Can you imagine these days having general managers or assistants do that before they became a general manager? I, I would think we'd lose a lot of people in the industry. You had to do it, though. And I did do it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's too funny. So how long were you in Boston? Because you obviously didn't get fired. I, I didn't get fired. I was there for three years. And then along comes this little merger or acquisition by Starwood of ITT Sheraton. And at the time, there was this hotel in Aspen that had been previously Ritz-Carlton. And there had been a a separation between Ritz and uh, the owner of that hotel. And ITT Sheraton had stepped in to make it a luxury collection temporarily. And I was then asked, would you like to go be the general manager? anticipating that it was going to be a St. Regis, but that took about two months. And I remember I had been there, I think it happened on February 14th, became the second St. Regis outside of New York in Aspen. So I was there as the general manager. And how about the transition from, you know, you were in Sheraton, Seattle, large corporate hotel, Sheraton, Boston, large corporate hotel, Sheraton, Boston. That reminds me, remember Ernie the doorman? Yes. Oh, my God. The way he used to say airport limousine throughout the lobby. But that's a whole different thing. I'm sorry. I I digress. I can Um, tell you many stories because I lived in the hotel for three years. I should also say I had an apartment on the 28th floor. Oh, did you really? Yes. Oh, my God. uh, uh, When we arrived, a six-month-old baby. Yes. Oh, so you know where all the bodies are buried Uh, in that building. I absolutely do. Yes. Oh, geez. I lost my train of thought. Oh, Aspen. So, shirt in Seattle, big you know, city center corporate hotel, shirt in Boston, big city corporate hotel. Then you go to this unbelievably five-star resort in the middle of tiny Aspen. How, how did you find that transition? It was a challenge. First of all, the expectations of your guests there were very high and, and you're always delivering on a dream. You always need to be prepared that the experience the guest is wanting to have in Aspen, the amount of money that they pay to be there, expectations were very high. You had a seasonal workforce where individuals came and went, and many of them were there, and that wasn't their first priority, was working in a hotel. Their first priority was how much powder was going to be on the <laughs> uh, that day. But I learned so much, and I have to say, it's quite interesting that now I'm working for Marriott, but I learned so much for the ladies and gentlemen that had been with Ritz-Carlton and they really trained me because we were trying to build St. Regis as a brand with having only one other hotel to use as the example. So it was just a great learning experience. Yeah. I mean, I've never worked in a resort that posh, but in some of the resorts I've worked at up and down the coast of California, The first thing you learn very quickly after coming from corporate hotels is the majority of the people there are spending their own money. 
Right. And it's different from a guy for IBM just coming and checking in and, you know, two nights and he's gone. These people are spending their hard-earned vacation money at your hotel. And boy, you better provide them with special services. Yes. And in Aspen, there was also a component of um, we're here to be seen. We're here to be part of the scene and everything that you do and your associates do to deliver that experience is layered on that financial commitment that they're making for themselves. So yeah. It was on the job training. Definitely. No. I will tell you that the most bizarre thing that happened while I was there was when we had a, in the middle of the summer, a bear come down and walk through the receiving dock and take a swim in the pool. So mm -hmm. you have lots of different kinds of wildlife in Aspen. Yes, apparently. So now, but did you ski before you got there? Yes. So you were already. It was a great lifestyle opportunity. As I said to my husband, this will be such an exciting assignment. It's like leaving the country, but everybody still speaks English there. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, so you spent a couple of years there and then back to Seattle? Back that... to Seattle, to the Western Seattle as the GM there. So your husband must be a pretty easygoing guy to pick up and, and move all these places. He had a job where early on he could work remote. And so it, it worked well, especially for his lunchtime skiing opportunities. <laughs> so he was a skier as well. So he that works. Too. Yes, Easier yes. to accept that position if you're, if you know, he's going to be skiing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and working from home. That's, that's even better. That's awesome. So you go back to Seattle to the Westin? To the Westin. Or, mm -hmm. And then when did you make the jump into your corporate role? Because that's always a transition too, right? Going from Right. A property general manager responsible for your little world to, oh my God, now I've got X amount of hotels to worry about. So about a year into the time I was at Western Seattle, Starwood was going through a, a reorganization in that wanting a general manager to be at the Western that was going to be the area leader. So he called me and said, would you flip jobs? Would you come to the Sheraton? And of course, I had been at the Sheraton for five years. I loved that hotel and had, you know, just fond memories. And I worked well with the ownership group. And I said, absolutely. And I had been at the Sheraton about two years when the new architecture of an organization for Starwood was created. And at the time, it was Bob Cotter was the COO under Barry Sternlich. And I remember having a, a very tense conversation with him when he called me to say, we want you to be the regional leader over the geography from San Francisco up to Seattle. And I said, Bob, I, I can't do that job. I, I have a two-year-old and I can't travel. And I had all the reasons lined up in my mind why this was not going to be a good thing for me. And he was such a good salesperson that uh, he talked me into it. And I do have to say that his belief in my ability, it pretty much changed the trajectory of my career and what I wound up doing. And, and he would be one of my thanks on Tuesdays, uh, yeah. besides Joe Terzi, that I would want to recognize. Yeah. And when you got that corporate role, was there a learning curve? I mean, because you were now corporate, but luckily, I, I shouldn't say that, that's the wrong word. Well, maybe luckily is the right word. You were corporate, but you weren't in corporate. Right? Yes. That is the best job to have. You're okay. corporate. And I was many, many miles from corporate in the Pacific Northwest. But I do have to say that 
the learning curve for me was very steep. I stepped into a group of nine leaders that ran the regions. All of them had multi-hotel management experience, but me. And that was a, that was a challenge because I felt like I was always playing catch up to learn the things that they had already been exposed to or already knew. But again, there was a, a, you know, a group of really knowledgeable, well-intended leaders who took me under their wing and said, here's what you need to know and here's what you need to do. And you might remember this time, Jeff Bellotti was our president and he was extremely supportive as well as gave great feedback as to areas where I maybe needed to focus. And, and he also gets a Tuesday thanks. Yeah, Jeff is a, is a great leader, but more importantly, a great person. Yes. He used to live in the same town as I do here in Connecticut. So his holiday parties were famous <laughs> or infamous, depending on which way you looked at it. It was the one party of the year where I've never seen so many Starwood guys fly into, well, I guess then White Plains. Yes. Just to attend a dinner party. So it was always great, but he's, and he's obviously gone on to do pretty well for himself over at Wyndham. But so once you got to, so you, you were promoted to what SVP Ops West? Yes. That Mm -hmm. that was the title. Mm -hmm. And West was, how many properties did you have at at the peak there? Do you remember? Probably 65, 60, 65, something like that. yeah, Yeah. Which is a pretty remarkable thing. And then As I've joked about with other people on the show, Starwood came to an end for all of us, whether we wanted it to or not. And obviously it was bought by the premier hotel company in the world. And you were very, I was going to say lucky, but you worked too much and you worked too hard to be lucky. They they were lucky that you stayed on and and joined Marriott. A lot of us, you know, went on to different things. How did that all come about with, you know, and you didn't even have to move cities on top of it. How did that come about? I, quite frankly, I don't know. I I view it as, yes, I was extremely lucky to have the opportunity. I do remember a a pivotal meeting when Arnie Sorensen came to tour the hotels in Seattle. And I had met him one time previously, one month earlier at our headquarters in Stanford. And he approached me and, and had some very complimentary things to say just about what he had learned about me and, and, and made it clear that there could be an opportunity for me with Marriott, which gave me great hope. And I thought, well, this, maybe this is going to work. And maybe I, I should abandon all of my job search <laughs> that I'm doing, but it, it turned out to be a pivotal conversation again, where I felt like I could be a fit and I really appreciated the CEO having a direct outreach to me that felt very special. Arnie had an amazing skill at making you feel like you were the only person in the room that he was talking to. Mm. And then I guess the rest is is history. I made it through all the other gauntlets that because I know there were other people that had to weigh in on whether I was the right person to join or or not. But it turned out it turned out really well. And Marriott has never disappointed me. They they've just been a, an incredible culture and company to be able to join. Yeah, I mean Arnie's a special guy. I never got a chance to meet him, but having you know heard all of the stories about him and everybody talks, you know. 
our listener in Topeka, Kansas can't see your face light up, but just when you started speaking to him, your smile came across and, and he's actually, I know this is going to sound weird, but it's partly because of him that I'm doing this Tuesday Thanks podcast. It's because when, when he passed and I saw LinkedIn just inundated with right. stuff, I said, wow, you know, he never heard all of that. Now, maybe he did, but you know, I said, that's the time when we have to thank people while we're all still around. And that's kind of how the whole Tuesday thanks thing started for me. So kudos to that. So now from a guy from the outside looking in, the cultures at Starwood and the culture at Marriott would appear on the surface to be very different. I mean, they're both hospitality companies. They both pride themselves on their people and how they treat people. So I'm, I'm sure at some base level, the cultures are very same. Is, is my outside view of it correct that the cultures were very different or is it more alike than different? They were different. And not that one necessarily was better than the other. I do joke sometimes to say that Starwood was a youngster, right? They were like going to a party when you're 18 years old and having very little supervision. And joining Marriott, which was 90 years old at the time, there was a lot of adult supervision at Marriott. <laughs> so I, love, I, I think that's the best description I've ever heard of Starwood. <laughs> Very little supervision. I, I think that's... But it, that's it created a, a, a tremendous amount of innovation. And mm -hmm. we broke a few things. We put them back together. And so each one has had its strengths. And I feel so lucky that I've been able to learn because I was at Starwood at the beginning after ITT Sheraton's uh, purchase and then to go through 18 years. So we were really still a teenager. We hadn't yeah. even reached adulthood yet. <laughs> That's too funny. I love that. Well, you flourished in both, obviously, because you, you. you were one of the leaders in Starwood and now you've transitioned. You've you know, gained the presidency title out there in the U.S. West. So congratulations on that. That's unbelievable. Not surprising. So, you know, as it is Tuesday, and I know you've already thanked Joe and Bob, wanted to give you the platform to thank some others if there are others, or we can just, you know, talk about Joe and Bob, but it's, it's the mic is yours. Well, thank you. I, I have to, you know, make sure I get Mr. Bellotti in there, Jeff yes. Bellotti, because... Yes. As my leader, I do joke with him even still today that he is the one person you can call when your confidence may be lagging and he will always step in and tell you that you should make double the money and you should have another job. And it always, we call him Dr. Feelgood. I mean, he go. always knows how to make you feel better than maybe you were at the beginning of the call. And, and I have to say that the Sheridan Boston, going back to that opportunity, working for Denise Cole, really taught me a great deal. And she went on to become president at Starwood. Mm -hmm. And she was my leader at the Sheraton Boston. And I really learned the art of preparedness and how to walk into the meeting and own the meeting with whatever it was that you were getting ready to try to convince or accomplish. So a huge thanks to her. And I, I also have to say to my, you know, my boss that has just become chairman of the board, David Marriott, I've learned a lot about the Marriott culture and the 
how, what the values are that have really been the foundation of the company about being humble and about listening. And I, I do have to have a huge shout out to him. And my last one is going to be someone, you know, Monica DiGilio, who was the HR leader who always told me how it was and what I needed to know that was the balance between my personal need to know and the company's, um, you know, the company's priority. But I know yeah. that you worked together at a point early in both your careers. <laughs> yeah, I think it was at the, it's funny you mentioned that name. I think it was at the, oh, it must have been at the Sheraton in Stanford, the original Sheraton, which is now, I think, Hilton. And I think she was the director, she might have been the director of HR or the number two with Terry Hontas. I think. Who worked with me at the Western Seattle. Yes. 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 yes, yes. I, I've always wondered what happened to Terry. I'll have to look, I'll have to get my stocking <laughs> exercise together on LinkedIn and see if I can and find her. She was a very creative HR person, very totally off the, off the radar is what you would think of an HR person was. Definitely. But, you know, Denise Cole, who I can only, I can't even imagine how many managers, people, young women that she has influenced and impacted mm -hmm. uh, over the years. Because everybody, I mean, I don't think anybody's ever left a room with her leading something in it and not come out of it with something. Yes. So I had three years of uh, tutelage by Denise and I still use and consider her a friend, but I use her advice. Even today, I was on the phone with her about three months ago, talking through some an issue and those people that took the time and wanted to mentor, wanted to tutor, they are the foundation on which I feel like I was able to do what I have been able to do. Without them, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Well, and again, I not knowing the Marriott family, I, I mean the company and the family, everything that I've seen on David, he seems so down to earth and so genuine when he talks to people. And I've heard that a lot about him and the, you know, the, you think about what he could be like, right? The, his ego is checked at the door as far as I see whenever he's interacting with people. So that's got to be a great help joining a new company like you did. Yes. He and I wound up in 2019 before COVID, of course, I think the count was we toured 150 hotels together. So oh we had an amazing amount of time for both of us. I was learning new hotels for my portfolio. He was learning hotels in the West because he had largely been centered in the East. And uh, I learned some amazing lessons in my time with him. Wow. Well, I've learned some amazing stuff today. Number one, didn't know that you were from Arkansas. I don't know. I, again, like I said earlier, I always thought you were a West Coast young lady. Do you know um, anybody else from Arkansas, Brian? No, I <laughs> no, but I, I have driven through Arkansas. If that okay, counts. okay, you've at least driven through it. <laughs> uh, but that's about it. But yeah, no, I I don't know why. I always thought you were West Coast. But so I can't thank you enough. I know I've taken a lot of your time today, and I know how busy you must be. I, how many hotels do you even have in your portfolio now? It's like 170. Yeah. 170 hotels. Yeah. Wow. So your airline miles are safe. My airline yeah. miles are safe. Alaska Airlines loves me. I'm a, you know, well over the million mile mark. I don't know that that's something to brag about, but I do like the benefits. <laughs> oh, that's true. You know, when you said only a million, I would have thought, you know, you'd be like five to 10 million, but 
just with the West Coast, I guess you've got a lesser. Because yeah. uh, I well, yeah. and it goes from Ohio to Hawaii, the geography of the West. Ohio, so, okay. Ohio to Hawaii. Right. That was kind of like Starwood, right? We had weird regions because you had Bora Bora, which was part of North America, which I never understood. I have Bora Bora. Oh, do you? Have yes. you been to the St. Regis? I have. I've stayed oh. there. And I heard you talk about it on another podcast. Yeah, that was, It is that all was, that. Yeah, that it is all that and more. I've got to get back there. But anyway, so like I said, I have taken enough of your time. I can't thank you enough for, for joining. Um, I know how busy you are. And I'm sure... Joe and Bob and Jeff and David and Monica and Denise all hopefully will get to hear this and they can appreciate your gratitude, which is so important these days, I think. So thank you so much for, for joining us and hopefully we'll cross paths on a flight somewhere. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. It has been a pleasure. Loved it. Well, as I always end these things, if it's Tuesday, who have you thanked today? So, so let's all go out and thank some folks and we will catch everybody on the next show. Thanks so much, Carla. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the show today and thanks so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. If you would like to be a guest on the show so that you can thank someone for their role in your career, please reach out to me via our Tuesday Thanks website at www.tuesdaysthanks.com. Remember, a sincere thank you goes a long way to making someone feel appreciated and can make their day. So until next time, be well, be safe, and please don't be afraid to tell someone thanks. Chat soon!